take a seat. Welcome again, everyone. Special welcome to anyone who's visiting us for the first time. And make sure you've got a welcome pack if you're one of those people. If you are here for the first time and you didn't get a welcome pack, go and approach someone who looks like they know what they're doing and they will give you one. So, yes, welcome. It's, it's great to see you here. So, we are continuing our little walk through Isaiah 61. So, if we could, yep, that's awesome. Thank you, Ada. Um, last week, we went through the whole chapter and we, we talked about, um, you know, the prophecy that Isaiah wrote down and how Jesus fulfilled that or he says you know this has been fulfilled before your eyes let's just have a quick recap of that so i'm calling this isaiah 61 part two i know very imaginative but i've subtitled it beauty for ashes because that's where we're heading so last week the start of isaiah 61 just as a quick recap the Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me. Now, remember, this is written about seven centuries before Jesus was born. Because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives, and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor, and the day of vengeance of our God. Now, as we saw in Luke 4, Jesus wrought up the scroll and didn't read that line. He stopped at announcing the arrival of the Lord's favour. Uh, and I believe he wanted to emphasise the, that he was proclaiming the year of the Lord's favour. In the same moment, like just a few moments later, he, he tells two Old Testament stories that emphasise that even further and indicating that God's favour is for all. Now, that's a good question. Is God's favour for all? And I think you can see patterns of this throughout Scripture. Joel 2.28, also in the Old Testament, so that Jesus' audience should have been familiar with this. God says, And afterward I'll pour out my spirit on all people. All people. I'm kind of surprised at the reaction Jesus got when, when he, he pulled out a couple of other passages and they kind of got a bit feisty with him. I actually tried to push him off a cliff, so it did get pretty serious. But um, it's, it's the pattern that we see. In the Gospel of Matthew, we have this indication here as well, that God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. It's, it's for everyone. But here's something else you might not notice, is that that phrase, it's a pretty famous phrase, comes immediately after Jesus telling them, I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you, that you may be children of your Father in heaven. So he's telling them, you know, love your enemies, but pray for them. Pray for your enemies. 
He causes his sun to rise on the evil and the good and sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So it, it's almost a similar scene to the one at the synagogue where he's, he's pointing out God's favour is for all. The sun sets, the rain falls on all. Oh, and you've got to love these people too. Like he's, he's, he's making it pretty clear. Quite a similar sentiment. Uh, so I guess for us, don't be surprised if you see God moving in the life of someone that you didn't expect. You know? Or, you know, you know that person, you know? They're always saying that they've heard from God. Well, maybe they are. Maybe they are. Maybe God is, is moving in their life. And if we're sitting there judging the moment instead of celebrating it, well, then, you know, we're at risk of judging an act of God. Does it remind you of the conversion of Saul? He's a guy that was, he was very anti this new movement, the conversion of Saul. And what, what happened? Jesus met with him. So much so that the other disciples were probably terrified <laughs> when he joined them. He said, G'day, guys. I'm sure he didn't say it like that, but um, he obviously wanted to hang out with them, and they were probably like, Hey, aren't, aren't, you, aren't you that guy? And he's like, No, I've changed. So, pretty crazy but that's that's the theme that we've got in isaiah 61 and especially when you compare it with the passage in luke 4 so let's move on to the next verse it begins with the very last bit of verse 2 so we've just had this opening section of isaiah 61 and we have to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in zion one translation says that this is the, what follows, what we're about to read in verse 3, is how God will provide for those who grieve. So God wants to provide for those who grieve. And, you know, the Hebrew writing might suggest that what happens next is the way in which God wants to provide for those who grieve. So let's have a read through this. God wants to bestow on them, so he's talking about those who grieve, a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair or heaviness. They, these same people, will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. So a question for you, who is this for? Any, any ideas? Who, who's this written about? Well, we've got at the beginning, this is, this is for those who grieve. Who grieves? Broken-hearted people, yeah. I've heard it said that if you love, you will experience grief. Yes. It's not a very positive thing to say, but it's true. If you if you if you were going to, you know, give love, then you'll experience some kind of pain, brokenheartedness. Thanks, Dave. So I think this is for everyone. 
And it matches with the theme that God's favour actually is for everyone. A lot of people may feel that their lives are a mess or even that the world is a mess. But remember, when Jesus read this out at the synagogue, he announced that this was the time of God's favour. And that time is still now. He hasn't stopped pouring it out. He has not stopped pouring it out. The time is now. Are you ready to receive what God wants to provide for you? I am. I hope I am. I'm ready to receive it. So let's go through. We'll spend a bit of time on this first part. Beauty for ashes. I'm going to go through. I like to do a little exercise when I find like a short phrase and just look it up in as many translations of the Bible as possible. And, and there are a lot of translations. And, you know, why do we have so many English translations? I've, I've actually spoken to people who are a bit uncertain of, you know, this whole Christianity thing. They're like, oh, it's just so weird because you've got so many translations. I'm, I usually ask if they're fluent in Hebrew or Greek. And the answer is usually no. And I'm say, well, language changes over time. Did you know that? Language changes over the time. When I went to school, the word lit meant you were putting something on fire. Like you, you were lighting a candle. But now it means that something is cool. Like, I'd have students say to me, oh man, that's lit. I'm like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm probably embarrassing my children by even using the phrase right now. You know, that's lit. It used to mean, you know, language changes. It does change over, over the years. And so, you know, it comes as a surprise to some people when they realise that the Apostle Paul didn't write the Bible in English. He didn't write his letters in English. He actually wrote them in Greek. Um, I'm sorry, King James people. He, he, he didn't write in Old English. That wasn't the first one. That, that does comes a shock to some people and you know I'm being semi-joking but I'm actually quite serious as well that it was not written in English and so as our language changes we don't speak in you know I I certainly don't speak in thine and thou and thee you know I, I, I love the King James Version I absolutely do but that's not how we talk to each other and so if we want our message to make sense you know, we need to, to, to use language that is easy to understand. I'm not saying we should put the word lit in any of the new translations. That's, that's not where I'm heading. Um, but, you know, I know that's not everyone's cup of tea, but I, I happen to believe that we shouldn't just own or read one translation. I think if we want to get a really good grasp of what God is meaning... Have a look at it in one translation. Have a look at it in another. See what the verses read as when someone else has interpreted it. God spoke to me once in a BG's song. He did. I'm pretty sure he can speak to us through someone's sincere attempt to translate the Bible. I'm convinced of it. So what I'm about to do is go through a whole bunch of translations. There's about 20 of them. I actually haven't counted them of what 
beauty for ashes could have been translated as. So let's move on to the next slide. Beauty for ashes. So I'm going to read through these and you can see them. They're all quite similar, but there are some interesting differences. And it's the same way that in our English language, some words have two meanings, like wind and wind, two totally different things, spelt exactly the same, but they have different meanings. And sometimes in the biblical text, there's a purpose behind that, as we will see later on. So let's just go through this. We've got a crown for ashes. Okay. Oopsie. A crown for ashes or a crown in place of ashes. All right. So that's, you know, obviously those two things mean the same. Or a crown to replace their ashes. A crown of beauty instead of ashes. Crowns, plural. Coming up, I skipped crown of beauty in place of ashes. Crowns, plural, instead of ashes. Or a beautiful crown in exchange for ashes. And as you can see, as we're going through this, you're starting to get the picture of what is going on here. God wants to bestow upon you a beautiful crown in, in exchange for ashes. He's replacing what was there with something beautiful. This other translation, I don't even know which ones these are. I just copied and pasted them all and I couldn't tell you which one's which. I will take away the ashes on their head and I will give them a crown. A diadem instead of ashes. Who knows what a diadem is? I had to look this up. I might not even be saying it right. Do you know? A diadem? Yes, it's like a tiara. So it says here, a type of crown specifically an ornamental headband worn by monarchs and others as a badge of royalty. God wants to put one of them on your head. That's pretty special. An ornament or a garland or a diadem, again, of beauty instead of ashes. There's more. A garland. Anyone know what a garland is? Yeah, yeah. Similar. It's usually like a, a chain of flowers. It could be worn on the head or it could be worn around your neck. A garland for ashes. I'm, I'm guessing in this instance, given the context here, it was probably worn on the head. But we've got this for the first time as we're going through all these translations, something other than what we would expect a crown to be. Like we're talking about flowers now. Okay? Garlands instead of ashes. So again, multiple ones, not just one. Maybe the translation from Hebrew to English, it was not clear whether it was singular or plural. A beautiful headdress instead of ashes. A turban instead of dust. And I like this one because it actually explains what the ashes are doing there in the first place. All right? Did anyone know this? Ashes on their head as a sign of mourning. So God wants to replace that mourning, that symbolic act of I am grieving with something far more beautiful. A head wrap instead of ashes. Flowers in the place of their sorrow. 
a beautiful bouquet in the place of ashes. Bouquets of roses instead of ashes. A flower wreath instead of ashes. And this one just gets straight to the point. Gladness instead of grief. I find that if I do a little exercise like this, that I, I walk away going, I think I get the picture. I think I understand what, you know, by the time all these, as I said before, sincere people who are translating the ancient text, we get this quite a spectrum. I'm not saying that they're all going to be spot on. But I get the picture of what God wants to place upon your heads right now. That it's a crown, but it's also flowers. It's beautiful. It's a bouquet. It's a garland. It's a diadem signifying our royalty. I think that's great. Just saying. Yeah. As I said before, though, I haven't met too many people who, who speak Hebrew. That would have been the best translation. So check this out. Here it is. The Hebrew word for beauty is fear. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right, but you'll get the idea. The Hebrew word for ashes is ephah. Do you notice anything? So sitting there in the Hebrew text, God wants to replace one with the other by moving one letter. Amazing. We missed that. In all of those other translations that I showed you, that's not clear. That God just wants to make a little adjustment. And sometimes that little adjustment is the most fantastic adjustment. You think about it. Have you ever sailed a ship? I personally haven't, but I'm not suggesting that you haven't either. But if you're setting it and you're off course by one degree and you're going to travel, you know, tens of thousands of kilometers, you're going to end up a long way from your, where you want it to be. One small adjustment can change everything. One small adjustment. By moving one letter, by making the smallest, adjustment, smallest adjustment, God turns something that symbolizes grief, ash on your head, into something beautiful. We're making a little adjustment, moving one letter. And of course, that's, that's word play in the Hebrew. And again, we don't see that reading it in English. Even with 50 translations, we wouldn't see that. So maybe what could be considered in your own personal life as maybe an inconvenient hold-up, you know, another red traffic light. Why don't you maybe consider that as God making an adjustment to what you thought was your normal routine. And who knows what, what could come from that. Something quite beautiful. I'm not suggesting that God causes grief for people. I, I, I don't believe that. God wants to provide for those who grieve. He's not going to cause them to grieve just so he can provide. All right? I, don't, I don't think that. But I believe he's always working things for good. Which reminds me of that. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called 
according to his purpose. So with one touch, one small adjustment, God can turn your chaos into order. He can turn your ashes into beauty. He can turn your chaos into order. He can turn darkness into light. We were singing about that this morning. Would you believe Michelle and I didn't communicate about songs and message? It just, it just landed like this. It was this morning that during practice. I'm like, oh, I'm going to talk about that. So God can turn what you think is a mess into a message, into something that will bring beauty, bring forth beauty. And God is an expert at this. He's been doing it since Genesis 1. Those of you who heard Ian Crudhoff speak here a couple of weeks ago, God said, let there be light. He actually said it a few times throughout the Bible, well, spoke light into darkness. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. There was a pretty bleak scene and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. God spoke, light. He's setting up the pattern. Where there was darkness, I'm going to speak light. Where there was mucky stuff, I'm going to speak something beautiful. The next most famous time God did that was in Bethlehem about... 2,022 years ago, give or take a little bit. They call the period of time between the last book of the Old Testament and the birth of Jesus the 400 silent years. Have you heard that? 400 years of silence. People waiting for their Messiah. Probably think, oh, it's been centuries now, he's not coming. They were probably in an absolute time of despair. If we read in John chapter 1, Jesus is referred to as the light, shining where? In the darkness. Just like Genesis 1. So God's speaking light into darkness once more. And now he wants to do it through us. Have a look in... Matthew chapter 5, you are the light of the world. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. So a few years ago, Josh Klinkenberg did a whole message on those three verses here at our Together Conference where he said these are the three times or the three main times where God spoke light. When he, in creation, when Jesus was born, but then he declared that you are the light of the world. So now it's on us. Jesus is still doing it. God is still doing it. But we are partnering with him right now. It's on us to do the same thing. And how many people know that there's a fair bit of darkness going on right now, particularly in Europe. I've got some images here that I'd like to share with you. Because I find that you know, it, it's so easy because this does not directly affect me. Not, not in the way that um, 
you know, obviously it's affecting people in Europe. This first image, you might be able to read that up there, but that's not a photo from 1941. It's a photo from March this year with the colour taken out. It's a, a chilling reminder that history is repeating itself. We've got this massive crowd of people trying to flee their country. We can, we can just go about our day and, and not actually think about that. It's easy. But I look at pictures like that, you know, and, and I hear people talking about the price of petrol, and yeah, it's expensive. But, but I'm very thankful that that's the only effect that that has on my life. And I'm not trying to flee a country. Now, I don't, I don't know all the political stuff. I, I don't understand at all about what's happening. I, I just know that it's, this is not of God. This is not of Jesus. That war is not an answer to anything. Here's another picture. This one is quite heartbreaking. This is called 109 Strollers. And it's representative of the 109 children who've lost their lives since the beginning of this war. I'm happy to pay a bit extra for petrol in the moment. We'll move on to the next one. This is actually a group of protesters. And they are all Russian. They are breaking the law and risking their lives to stand there and protest against what's happening. And I've included that there to say that there is good in people. There are people who are standing for what, up for what's right. It doesn't, doesn't mean that just because it's their country that they approve of what's going on. No, these people are standing here against what's happening. Darkness in the world right now, especially in Ukraine. What I'd like to do right now is spend some time praying for it. AJ, can I get you to jump up on the keyboard? Or maybe stand behind it would be better and play. Um, I'd just like to spend some time in intercession for this situation, that God would shine his light into this darkness. Can I get you to stand, please? There might not be much we can do from here in Marupna. But I know one thing we can do is we can pray. We can believe for God to intervene. And so whether you want to do this standing where you are, or whether you want to do this in a group with the people you're standing with, I just want to invite you to spend some time in prayer.
I came across Psalm 124 a week or so ago and I've been praying it for, for Ukraine every day. If it had not been for the Lord who was on our side, let Israel, Ukraine, now say, if it had not been for the Lord who was on our side when men rose up against us, then they would have quickly swallowed us alive. When their wrath was kindled against us, then the waters would have engulfed us. The torrent would have swept over our soul. Then the raging waters would have swept over our soul. Blessed be the Lord who has not given us as prey to be torn by their teeth. We have escaped like a bird from the snare of the fowlers. The trap is broken and we have escaped. Our help is in the name of the Lord who made the heaven and the earth. All right, church, let's start to lift our voices in intercession. Again, you can do it standing where you are or you can join with a group of people. But let's actually literally spend a couple of minutes. Just, just let our prayers rise to heaven right now. Pray and intercede and declare those words from Psalm 124 over this situation. to heaven.
Thank you, God, that you've heard our prayers. Can I encourage you just to continue to spend time doing that? I just felt read to felt to read a bit out of the book of Amos right now. It's a pretty difficult passage, but it shows us the heart of God. Amos chapter 5, verse 21, where we hear the Lord saying, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. So what? He says, even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring me choice fellowship offerings, I will have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps, but let justice Roll on like a river, righteousness like a never-failing stream. And again, that is another theme throughout Scripture. So if you're wanting to help with how to direct your prayers as you're praying for this situation, let's just pray for... Obviously, pray for it to end. Pray for a move of God. Justice rolling on like a river. Righteousness like a never-failing stream. Just while we're standing here, it's in relation to beauty for ashes. Maybe you need God to make an adjustment in your life, a personal one. And you know, and I think I can confidently say that thankfulness that no one is living in a situation here like what's happening in Ukraine right now. But maybe you just need a little adjustment. Maybe you just need God to put you back on course. Maybe... You're staring at chaos in front of you right now, or darkness. My encouragement to you is is that God wants to speak light into it. He wants to place a crown of beauty on your head. He wants to turn your mess into a message. If you'd like to respond in any way to this message today, I invite you to come up to the front. AJ, I'll get you to play for a bit longer. I'll happily pray for you. If you don't know Jesus, if you've just wandered into church, I'm going to know what this, this is all about. I would love to introduce you to Jesus. I'd love to pray for you. In a few moments, we'll close the service and I invite you to come up the front for prayer if if you require. We've got tea and coffee in the foyer. The machine is working again. Yes. Which Which is great. Why don't you say hi to someone you don't know? And again, we've got the 
offering bags up the front if you'd like to place your giving in the bags. So we'll close the service. Thank you for being here. Yell out if you need prayer for any need. Speak to the elders or the board, myself. But yeah, enjoy the rest of your Sunday.